Uh, when Dave and I were engaged, some good friends said to us, no matter how poor you get, that's a good thing they said that, don't ever stop taking time for your marriage. Get away together at least once a year. And we've held on to that advice. We have kept that advice every year. At least once a year, we've taken time to get away just for each other. And I am telling you, if <laughs> your marriage depends on, t on doing that. So I would encourage you, if you are married, please take time for each other. I can't stress that enough. Marriages need that nourishment to not, it's not just about surviving, it's about thriving. God wants us to thrive in our marriages. He wants us to thrive in our families too. I have a heart a huge heart for marriage and family and parenting. I just know that God, he wants us to thrive in our families. And so anyway, um, it, Dave and I had not been able to get away or take a break at all this year. The trip to San Diego was a workcation that did not count at all. Um, so we took the past few days, the two of us, to go to the Adirondacks. And we were there. We got back last night. We left Wednesday. And um, it was a very refreshing, soul-nourishing time to recharge. And I'll start by, I've got some pictures, Dave. Maybe you can work the camera to, so that the people, I've gotten a complaint that on the video you can't see the screen. But Rebecca, you want to put, uh, so, on, so here's what we do. This is our old stomping grounds. We go up to the Bog River, named for us, the Bogdans. And we've been there several times now. And so we get in a canoe and we paddle out and we find a primitive campsite. We are into primitive camping. We love it. And so you can find these primitive campsites that are marked. It's first come, first serve. So we just paddle down this long river till we find a site and we set up. And uh, so we, um, the campsite we ended up camping on was a two-and-a-half-mile paddle out with our canoe laden with all of our stuff. So as we were paddling out, Dave caught a fish. So I'll, show, I'll start by showing you the fish Dave caught. It's one, yep, that, and you'll see why he made me pose with it. <laughs> he didn't want to pose with that one. So there we are with all our gear, and we're paddling down the Bog River to our campsite. Now, thank you. That's so good. You can leave it up or not, whatever. So anyway, um, we're, we had checked the weather carefully for this trip to make sure that it was going to be nice weather while we were gone. But somehow, I don't know how this happened, we missed the forecast for Wednesday evening when we would be arriving at our campsite and setting up our tent. So I would say about a half a mile before we got to our campsite, all of a sudden, it started raining. Just at the sky got dark, and it started raining, pouring. And we're in our canoe, paddling furiously to shore. And, and we just so happened upon site five, and it was empty. So we come, and, it, and it, we saw right away it was an awful sight. We'd never want to camp there. It just wasn't. The ground was uneven. But it was pouring rain, and, and we pull up to shore, park under a tent, and it's just pouring all around us. I jumped out of the boat because I just can't sit. I've got to go. Maybe there's another place that's a little bit better, right? So I'm looking for trees, and poor Dave is left. You have that boat picture of your dad in the boat. Poor Dave is left sitting in the boat for a while. We sat here for an hour in the rain. You have that picture of your dad in the boat? There he is. <laughs> we both have shorts on. Thankfully, we had a rain jacket within reach, 
So we're freezing. By the way, the first night there was 39 degrees. It was in the 40s every night. So at this time, it's 6 o'clock. The temperature is dropping. It is pouring rain. We're in our shorts. We are trapped. We sat there for an hour just wondering what to do, wet and cold. <laughs> so I, the cell service was very spotty, but there was just enough cell service I was able to check the radar. And I saw that it was going to be raining for another hour and a half. And I knew that by the time it started raining, it would be dark. And nobody wants to set up a tent in the dark, in the rain, and in the cold. So I thought, what are we going to do? All of a sudden, the thought occurred to me, why don't you pray? Novel idea. <laughs> now, I don't know about you. You can turn the lights back on if you want. I don't know about you, but... We, we, our humanness and our human nature, we play these head games when it comes to living in the kingdom of God. See, God wants us to stay within this eternal realm, to live there, not be checked out all the time. But in that moment, it's like I suddenly had a, a divine connection, like a sudden broadband connection, where I was suddenly in tune with the realm I'm supposed to be living in. I'm suddenly now thinking supernaturally, but my natural mind was at war with my spiritual thoughts, and I'm thinking, oh, that's, this is just... Such a silly request. I mean, we can, we can figure this out. We'll survive. People are in such worse conditions, and here I am complaining about a rainstorm. I really shouldn't bother to pray about such a small thing. Have you ever gone through that? Like, who am I to ask God for such a ridiculous, tiny favor when people are struggling with such huge, enormous things? Right? As if God can't be bothered to step aside and help us out with this little rainstorm. But then a new thought occurred to me, and it was this. Wait a minute. Well, who is this God anyway? And who is he to me? Is he a good father like we sing about, a good father, or not? I mean, who is he? What is his heart and his character like? What is it that I actually believe about who God is, and how is that presently informing my decision to pray about this rainstorm. So I decided right then and there, I believe this gospel that I profess, that God is good and God is love, and he demonstrated that love on the cross for me. Therefore, he can't be, he must be very, very good, so good that maybe he would delight to perform a little miracle for me right now. As a token, these are token prayers of his goodness. So I said, I'm going to believe it. Belief is a decision of the will. Remember we talked about the will, the heart. It's a heart condition. So my heart said, I'm going to choose to believe God is good and he's kind. And I said, Lord, I'm squatting there, freezing, I'm under this tree. Like, I said, Lord, would you just give us a clearing? Just a clearing, just enough to paddle the rest of the way to our site. We knew we were probably going to go to a couple sites down we knew it was probably open. It was a Wednesday. We had another half mile to paddle, roughly. Would you say about a half a mile left to paddle from five to seven? Yeah. Had a half mile left to paddle. It's pouring rain. Lord, could you just give us a clearing? Now, I had checked the radar. That radar had all the green and fiery orange demon light color in it. I mean, it was for the next hour and a half. I knew what the radar said, but I knew who my God was. 
would you just give us a clearing? And I'm not even kidding you. As Dave is my witness, the sky suddenly cleared. I mean, the sun didn't come out, but the rain instantly stopped. I mean, stopped. Dave said, let's go. I knew that was the answer to prayer. I jumped in the boat. We paddled the half mile to site seven. We got set up as fast as we could, set up our tent, unloaded the boat, hooked up the boat, put everything in the tent, made our bed. And I'm not even kidding you, as Dave is my witness, as soon as we got in that tent, it started to rain again. And it poured again for another while, for like like an hour. So we sat in the dark in our flashlight and ate our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) And I knew we had witnessed a miracle. So the next day, we were out and we went fishing. And don't show the picture yet, but we're out there and we're not catching anything. And I really wanted fish for dinner. There's nothing like fresh fish over a fresh fire. So we're out there fishing and nothing, nothing, no one's biting nothing except for, you know, the big, the big trophy that Dave had gotten the day before. So, and then I thought, I thought the idea occurred to me again, why don't I pray? Again, I thought, oh man, that's just, ah, it's just a fish. So many people, so many big problems. Why am I going to pray for such a small favor? And again, the thought came to me, who is the Lord? Who is he? Is he actually the kind of parent that I want to be, that I try to be? I love to do good things for my children. I delight to give them beautiful little favors and gifts. I mean, don't we parents? Unless you're a real troubled, sick parent, you love to, you would delight to give good things to our children. So I thought, well, what kind of parent is God? Who is he and how does my understanding of his heart and his character inform my present decision to pray concerning this fish? And I remembered Philippians 4, 6, I think it says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, with thanksgiving. So I thought, okay, well, I know that we're supposed to pray with thanksgiving. So I just started praying, Lord, I thank you for a fish. I thank you for, I thank you for a nice catch of fish that we're going to be able to eat fish for dinner tonight. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Within a matter of seconds, I had a bite, and I pulled up this fish. So it's, it's the, that, that one. I, there it is. That, right after praying. Now, there's a point to all this. And the point is not God answers faith prayers, but not invites. It's not, it's not the point at all. I'm getting to the point. So I knew once again that God had decided to show me a token of his loving kindness through providing this fish. And so we enjoyed that fish that night. And then yesterday, on our way out, so we had the two and a half mile paddle back to the boat launch to come home. That was yesterday. And you know, I thought, man, I spent a lot for that fishing license. We, my husband spent a lot, my hardworking husband spent a lot for that. You know, that just wasn't enough fish. I, uh, and so I thought, I said to Dave, wouldn't it be nice if we could just let our lines in on the way back and get something to bring home for dinner, right? 
And so again, there's that thought. Well, I could pray, but man, God's been so good. He's answered three prayers miraculously, instantaneously so far. Who am I to dare to think that I could pray again for such a trivial little, trivial little thing? But we decided to pull over, and we had figured out by then that they like to have these large mouse baths. They like to hide in the, you know, in the lily pads and in the brush there along the edge. So we put our lines in, and there was the thought. I could pray. Yeah, I could, I could do it again. I should. I just should go for it. And then I remembered, and all of a sudden Dave said to me, put your line down on the right. And all of a sudden I heard Jesus say, put drop your net on the other side of the boat. I thought, okay, this is like, I'm seeing a parallel here. Jesus does apparently specialize in fishing trips, success. So I thought, he's done it before. It's the same Jesus. Why not? Lord Jesus, bless us with a great catch of fish so we can bring a nice dinner home tonight and share it with our girls. And I'm not even kidding you, folks. I do not exaggerate, not in the pulpit anyway. Within a few... (laughs) Within seconds of praying that prayer, this thing comes up out of the water. Show the next one. There it is. Now, yeah, we brought that home and we fried that up for dinner last night. And I knew once again that God in his great, what a, his, his wonderment, his kindness, his wildly surprising ways had chosen to answer these seemingly trivial little token prayers. Now, what is this telling us about God? Because obviously we've all prayed prayers that he hasn't answered, myself included. And yet there are times where God chooses to answer prayers. And I believe such times, including the ones that I gave examples to, I call them token prayers. He's letting us know, this is who I am. This is the kind of person I am. This is the kind of father I am. This is the kind of daddy I want to be to you. I delight to give my children good gifts. I think of, um, I think of, uh, 1 Timothy 6.17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. See, God just doesn't answer our needs. Sometimes he answers our wants. He gives us richly all things to enjoy, 1 Timothy 6.17. Psalm 84.11 says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Notice the, the condition there. This is for those who walk uprightly, who live their lives with intention, with full intention and a heart's desire to please him. No good thing will he withhold. Now, that, that is a precept. A precept is, it's a general rule intended by God. A biblical precept is a general law intended by God to guide our behavior and our thoughts. So this is a precept. It's not, a 100, it's not an absolute guarantee every single time. But it's a biblical precept that for those who walk uprightly, God delights to give us richly all things to enjoy and to not withhold good things from us. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. But notice again, who's this for? For those who delight in the Lord. 
If your heart truly delights in the Lord, you delight in him, that's your life, he's your life, then he delights then to give you the desires of your heart. You know why? Because your heart's desires will line up with his heart's desires. Psalm 103, 5 and 6 says, It is God who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. This is a divine precept that generally speaking, if we pray knowing that God hears you, he hears me, and we know that his heart is good, there's this divine precept that says, whatever we ask, ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And I love Matthew 7, 7. Let's start with Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now it's told us what to do. Now it's going to tell us the why behind that. Why do we do this? Verse 9 says, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, that is naturally born with a, with a nature bent toward evil, if you then, being human, we could say, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Like a big fish, like a clearing in a rainstorm. Now, I just think of one other time really quick. One more quick story, is that okay? My brother Paul, whom you all met this summer, he was 16 years old. It was his last game in the Little League. And he, it was the playoffs, and they were playing the, the, the highest-scoring opponent team that day. And the score was 7-1, to one, my brother's team's favor. But all of a sudden, the opposing team put in their best pitcher, and they started scoring just like that. Suddenly now, the score was 7-6. to six. Still my brother's favor, but my dad realized they're going to they're gonna lose this game because of this other team. And so my dad... <laughs> You know, he's, he's kind of like me. I'm not into sports, not into team sports. I'm very sorry if that offends you. But my dad was sitting there reading a book on the bleachers, and he would only look up when it was his son's turn to play. And I probably would have been doing the same thing. All of a sudden, my dad felt like God spoke to him and said, how can I use you when your head is in a book? Always in a book. Okay, Lord, again, see, he's suddenly now he's in tune. He's in tune with where he's supposed to be living. my heart's in tune with you. What are you saying to me? And he felt like God spoke to him and said, I want to use you right now to be an Elisha for Paul's team. If you know that story in Elisha, God worked through Elisha's prayers and the prophetic to cause Israel to win this huge battle against Syria that was coming against Israel. You can read about that. But God said, I want, and so dad knew exactly what God was saying. God wanted him to pray that his son's team would win. Again, such a trivial little ridiculous, like why would I pray for that? What if there's another parent on the other team praying that his team wins? Well, apparently there wasn't. That's not the point. So 
My dad just, he, fe- he felt like, you know what? This is, God is, it's not about the prayer. It's about what is God wanting to show me about his character in this moment? That's what it's about, see? So my dad started to pray. And the bat- their batter came up. My dad's, Lord, help him strike out. In the name of Jesus, let him strike. He struck out. The next batter up, God, help him strike out. <laughs> I mean, this is, you don't, you don't go around saying this stuff out loud, right? People think you're crazy, But the point is, God was speaking something very specifically to my dad concerning his heart and his character, who God is in that moment. And he wanted to show my dad a thing or two about the good nature of God. The third batter gets up. Lord, don't let him make it to first base. This guy hits a fly ball. My brother catches it, and they win the game. True story. It's written in a book. (laughs) These are token prayers, I call them. It's God's way of saying, look, I really am good. I'm not the God you've been deceived into thinking that I am in your life. I'm not that callous God who's off aloof, ignoring you and your situation. I am really that good. And sometimes I just love to show you that. Because you see, kids trust parents who are good. And how much, parents, do we love doing nice things for whiny kids who are all like, oh, you never do anything for me. Probably not going to do it. I'm probably not going to get the new ball or whatever it is. That's not fun. We love richly rewarding children who are expectant. The psalm says we looked to him and our faces were radiant. Now, if I stopped right here, this would be an awful sermon potentially. You could go home and think, well, whoop-dee-doo, she got her big fish. Yay, I get to go home and face all my big problems. What's God going to do for me? Because sometimes prayers go unanswered for you and for me, and these aren't prayers for a fish or that the rain would stop so we can set up our tent. These are big prayers. These are big needs. These are ginormous needs that are way beyond you and me, way too big for us. So there's another picture I have. It's that last picture, uh, Rebecca. When we weren't fishing, we were hiking because I had this need, I told Dave. I just have this need to summit a mountain. I need to get to a mountaintop. There's something about sitting at the summit and looking out over the Adirondacks, and this view doesn't even do it justice. By the way, that's the Bog River, and our Our tent was set up, see that tree right over, well, anyway, we were camped along that body of water on the left, that's where we were camped, but I sat up there at the summit, and I just reflected on, God, you are so great, so big, so high above all the things that I so easily allow to hinder me from worshiping you with a humble heart. So, so easily allowed to hinder my perspective. See, if you know that God is good, then unanswered prayer is a matter of God's eternal wisdom and not a matter of his flawed character. Let me rephrase that. If you already know that God is good, then when prayers go unanswered and you don't see how things are going to work out in your big giant situation, you will not then stumble over God's character 
You will rather understand that this is a matter of his eternal wisdom. He must know something I don't know. You know, the biggest objection to Christianity, you go out and you start interviewing skeptics and agnostics, the biggest objection to Christianity is, well, God can't be omnipotent, all-powerful, and he can't be good at the same time because if he was good and all-powerful, he would never allow these bad things to happen. He'd free things. That's human, limited, finite reasoning. And it's truly actually kind of arrogant in the grand scheme of things because the truth is, the biblical truth is, since God is all-powerful and his heart and his character are good and kind and he doesn't always fix everything right when we ask him to or in this, our lifetime, it must be that in his infinite, eternal, divine wisdom, he knows something I don't know. And to try to reason otherwise and argue with that is to actually set yourself up to be God's judge. So I, that's why I love to sit at mountaintops. I just love to sit there at the top of it all and reflect on that and realize, God, you are so high above all our puny, finite, human, ridiculous reasoning. Isaiah 55, 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is Isaiah 55, 8. My thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. He is truly in control I know that sounds trite. I know it's a platitude. God is in control, but is absolutely true. And someday we will know it fully and completely, just how control, in control God was all along. I'm going to get to that in a minute when I close. Psalm 131.1 says, Lord, I love this passage. Psalm 131.1. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. What is this talking about? Weaned from what? What does, it, what does it mean to have a soul that is weaned like a child? You know what it's being weaned from? The need to have to always understand every single thing God is doing and have a plan and see exactly the plan and the purpose. My heart, it says, I behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel Parallel for us, it foreshadows us, this also includes the church. Let us, church, hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. It's interesting that it starts out by saying, Lord, my heart is not haughty. How interesting to connect a haughty heart that is a proud heart with this person that has to know everything that's going on. God, what are you going to do about this? How are you going to fix this? That's a haughty heart. That's what I've been talking about. Heart conditions, hardness of heart. 
Romans 11.33. Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor? You ever try to be God's counselor? Now look, this is the way I think you should do this. Why do we do that? Why do we dare to do that? Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Psalm 2 verse 1 says, and this is so pertinent for the times we're living in right now. Psalm 2 verse 1, why did the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, coming to set up his kingdom here on a new heavens and a new earth that it speaks about in Revelation 21. I'm going to close with that verse in a minute. Psalm 8.3. I thought of this when I was sitting up there looking out at the horizon. Psalm 8.3. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And you've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over the work of your hands. And you've put all things under his feet. Sheep and oxen, yes, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the river. I mean the sea. And whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. What do you know about the Lord this morning? What is it you're praying for? What is it you need? What is it your little heart wants, desires? Maybe it's a small, trivial thing, relatively speaking. Maybe it's a big, huge miracle. We've all been there. Probably every single one of us sitting here this morning has a giant need, at least one. What do you know about your God? Who is he? What kind of father is he? Does he delight to give good gifts to his children? And when he does not choose in the time frame you would expect him to, to answer that big prayer, what does it mean about your God? Does it mean that he's actually not that great? Or does it mean that he loves you more than you can begin to fathom. And he has something beyond your wildest expectations, but it's in his timing. It's in his great plan and purpose. And even if things don't turn out the way that you had hoped and your prayer does not get answered, he is wise. But more than that, he defines himself this way. God is love. He loves you. Nothing passes through his hand that doesn't come from a father's heart that loves you. 
and he promises in Revelation 21 and 22. You can go read it for yourself. Someday, he says, he says, I make all things new. I am making all things new. I do make all things new. I will make all things new. He promises us a new heavens and a new earth. And he says, in that place that's coming, that I am preparing for you, in that place, there are no more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more sorrow. The curse, it says in Revelation 21, the curse has been removed. There's not even any more night. No setting up the tent in the dark. No more night. That's the God we love. That's the God we serve. That's the God we choose to trust. When you know his heart is good, then when he doesn't answer your prayer, you can trust his character. It stays intact, and you know that it's in his eternal divine wisdom, he knows exactly what he's doing. Lord, wean me from the need to always understand what's going on. Lord, I pray that you would wean us from that. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would calm and quiet our souls this morning, like that child weaned from his mother. Let our souls be calmed and quieted. Let our hearts not be so haughty as to think we've got to have this figured out, whatever it is. Lord, I pray that you would take us to that mountaintop in you, that you would lift our sights up above, that we would see from your perspective today, Father God. I pray that we would see what you see. Wow. I was worried about that. Lord, today I pray that we would repent from a disbelief, a belief that says maybe God is not that good least not to me. We repent from that. Lord, how it must crush your heart. How it must crush you and break your heart when your children don't believe you are that good. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, when I have so doubted your goodness that it caused me to fret and act as though you may not have my best interest at heart after all. Forgive me for that. It's a lie. Your word says in Romans 5, He who spared not his only son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? You love us. You love us. You demonstrated that love in no uncertain terms, and so therefore we can dare to ask you for the small things and yes, for the big things. And today, Father God, we choose to trust you no matter what. This is how I want to close this morning. If you're here this morning and you have a need or a want, big or small, I'd like for you to come up. Dave, come on up. Dave's going to pray. We've already talked about this. He's going to pray. We're going to bring some needs before the Lord today. Big need, small need. I don't care what it is. Gigantic miracle, tiny little desire of your heart. Bring your needs forward. I can't believe that there's nobody here that has no need of prayer.